seat over from me was somebody that I hadn't met before. And so I was introduced to him, and he is uh, the rector over at Christ Episcopal, Father Patrick. And then a couple of days later, somebody asked me about him, and I was like, oh, yeah, I've met him. He was a stranger to me, but I've met him, and he's great. I was able to endorse him. So the scripture passage that you heard earlier in the service was from Luke chapter 24. I'm just going to remind you of the beginning of it. Verse 13 is the beginning of this story of the resurrected Christ appearing to two on the road to Emmaus. Verse 13 said, Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Luke's gospel actually begins with a story that's unique to Luke's gospel about the shepherds going to find the infant Messiah in the manger. That story is only in Luke. And at the end of Luke's gospel, which is where we are this morning in chapter 24, only in Luke is this account of two Jesus followers who go to find the Messiah in their own home. And I want you to hear this morning that it's the going, it's the walking that is significant, that's revelatory in Luke's narrative. Mary goes to Elizabeth. Jesus goes to call the disciples, and when the time is right, they go together to Jerusalem. The prodigal father goes to the son on the path, and the Samaritan goes to the wounded traveler. The important work of Luke's good news takes place on the road. If I were to come up with a playset for this gospel, you know, with a miniature Jesus and tiny little disciples, shepherds, Mary and Elizabeth, Zachariah, Zacchaeus, he'd be the tiniest of all, right? If I was coming up with a playset for the gospel of Luke, I wouldn't put them in a temple. I wouldn't put them in a house. I wouldn't put them in a manger, but I would put them on the road. For Luke, the players belong on the road. And so the good news, bad news from the road to Emmaus that I have for you this morning is that you belong on the road too. We belong on the road. Did you notice that when Ryan told the story, only one of the travelers One of the walkers is named Cleopas. Now we could make this into a fun game of speculation as to who exactly this non-apostle and companion are. Leonard Sweet thinks that this is Clopas, who is mentioned in John chapter 19. Clopas and Mary are mentioned at the crucifixion. They are Jesus' aunt and uncle. Clopas and Mary, so Clopas would be like a nickname for Cleopas. Clopas and Mary, which makes me start to think, how did Jesus have all these Marys in his inner circle? There was an Aunt Mary and a Mother Mary and a couple of friends that were Mary, a couple of followers Mary. Only the Son of God could keep all those Marys straight, right? And then there's speculation on gender of this couple that's on the road. Is this two men? who are on the road to Emmaus, you can see that depiction in many, much of the artwork about Luke chapter 24. Or is it two women 
Who's to say that Cleopas is a masculine name? One of the older pastors in the text meeting this week suggested to me. Or could it be a couple? Could this be a couple because they welcome the stranger into their home in the village of Emmaus? Those are all real possibilities. But I think what I find most helpful is that the unnamed person on the road is the reader. That the unnamed person on the road is you, that the unnamed person on the road is me, and it reminds me that you belong on the road. And this means that your time will involve taking in new places and new faces, and many of them will be unfamiliar, and some of them will be strange. The reason that we do this, put ourselves out there, is to begin the process of opening our eyes. In chapter 24, when the journey for the two begins, their eyes aren't working quite right. Spiritually speaking, their eyes aren't open. They don't recognize Jesus when he comes and walks with them. He's just a stranger to them. And the text says that they are sad, that their faces are downcast, empty right translates the phrase, they stood still, a picture of gloom. But by the end of this story, their eyes are opened, they recognize the resurrected Christ, and they're redirected back towards Jerusalem with hope. About five years ago, I was taking a class called Faith Walking, and I would have these weekly calls with a coach to discuss the material that I was reading, my practice of a few spiritual disciplines, and what my life was like. And in these coaching calls, we both began to realize that my default way of operating in the world was to play it safe. And so the assignment that Coach Todd gave me was just simply to say yes. Say yes when your automatic response is, no way, I've never done that before, and I'm going to fail at it. When no one's going to be hurt and a new opportunity comes your way, Coach Todd told me to say yes. So one morning, I was with my extended family at a dude ranch, and I was walking down the fence line just for a peaceful morning stroll when I noticed that the dads and the kids are out shooting skeet. So they jokingly offered me the gun, thinking that I wouldn't take it. But Coach Todd had told me to say yes. So I said yes. No one was hurt, not even any clay pigeons. <laughs> In that same time period, there was a weekend where a friend of Keith's invited us to go fishing on an airboat. My immediate response was, well, that sounds a little dangerous for young children because we had young children at the time, and it certainly sounds messy. I'm not much for fish guts and worms. But I remembered my assignment, and we went. We went, and no one was hurt. I saw beautiful parts of the coastland that I'd never seen before, and I recognized that I was missing beauty in the world because I wasn't willing to try new things. I wasn't willing to try things that were strange to me or listen to strange people. There's so much to learn from a different perspective. In the Four Gospel Journey class, we talk about the concept of Hyoka. And this is a concept from the Lakota people of North America, and it means the other. The Hyoka is an individual in the tribe with an honored place. 
The person selected for the position of Hyoka becomes the official opposite in the group. So they are assigned to think and feel what others will not think or feel. So the, so the Hyoka might wear heavy clothes in the summer or walk backward when everyone else is walking forward, laugh when the group is sad, and when a decision is in deliberation with the council, the Hyoka will speak loudly and clearly the opposite opinion. Now the Hyoka is not the chief, but the Hyoka is holy and to be heard because hearing the strange opposite thing often unlocks a greater truth. It's dangerous to contradict mothers on Mother's Day who teach us about stranger danger. <laughs> but if you are an adult on this path of Christ, if you are chronologically and spiritually adult, I want you to know that you belong with strangers. When explaining one of the most intriguing and maybe terrifying parables about sheep and goat, goats in the gospel, Jesus tells his followers, when you feed, when you clothe, when you invite a stranger, you have fed, you have clothed, you have invited me. It's this stranger on the road to Emmaus that unlocks the greater truths of the scriptures for the two who are traveling. The two on the road tell the stranger the unfortunate events of the last few days. They say, are you the only one around who hasn't heard of the prophet, Jesus of Nazareth, who was handed over to death, who was crucified? We had hoped that he was the one to redeem, but now all we have is an empty tomb and we're not quite sure what to make of that. He reminds them of the scriptures. He interprets for them the scriptures. And what I want you to hear in that is that you belong in the story. You belong in the scripture story. This stranger, the resurrected Christ, calls the two Jesus followers deeper into the scriptures. I want you to know that it's the intersection of scripture story and experience that's so powerful. To hold together your experience and the story of scripture reveals a really important reflection reveals meaning for us. In Fred Craddock's commentary on this passage, he reminds that we really have three ways to experience any event in our life. So the first way that we can experience any event in our life is to rehearse it, to think about it, going up to that event. The second way that we experience any event in our life is the actual event itself. And then the third way that we experience any event is in remembrance or reflection. And that's the time of understanding. That's the really important time. That's the thing, that's the time when things come together, when things start to make sense. In a couple of weeks, I'm doing a wedding in the garden chapel here at this church. And, and there will be a rehearsal for this wedding the night before the wedding. But really, the couple and I, we've already started the rehearsing. We have talked about what the order of worship will look like. We've talked about what the space is going to look like. We've talked about who's going to be there. 
And then there will be the event itself. And if you've been to a wedding, especially a Protestant wedding, you know that doesn't take very much time. It'll be less than an hour. And then there will be the remembrance. There will be the videos to watch. There will be the pictures to flip through. There will be the memories and the conversations that people have who have been to the wedding. And that's where it all comes together. That's when it comes together what exactly happened and why it happened. Luke chapter 24 tells us that we can take any experience that we've had, um, hold it up to scripture, and get a greater understanding. And this is especially helpful when we have an experience that just doesn't make any sense. It's especially helpful when we have an experience that doesn't make any sense because there's hope in the greater pattern of Scripture. It's exactly what the resurrected Christ tells the two disciples on the road. There is hope in the greater pattern of Scripture that life coming from death is the fundamental pattern, that there's order and life from chaos, that there's freedom and homeland from slavery in Egypt, that there's renewal from exile, and that there's life from dry bones. The suffering and death of Jesus is not to be understood as a defeat. The suffering and death of Jesus is a path to new life. I do well when I take my defeats to Scripture. And I do well when I take my defeats to Scripture not to get that God's going to save a poor, helpless sinner like me. But instead, I get that the defeat is simply the step before new life. That order comes from chaos, freedom from slavery, renewal from exile, life from certain death. Cleopas and the companion invite the stranger into their home. Or the way I read that is simply into their mess. Home is where you hide the goods, right? Where we are real for better or for worse. And when they sit at the table with the stranger, it's in the breaking of the bread that they recognize him as the Messiah. Table is the place where spiritual eyes are opened wide. I want you to hear in this story that you belong at the table. It could have been that in the act of breaking the bread, that the two followers get it. The greater story, the life from death. Or it could have been in serving the bread. That in serving the bread, the two Jesus followers see the wounds on Jesus' arms and hands. And as the wounds are exposed, they get exactly who he is. I want you to know that, that this, serving at this table, is a vulnerable position. No doubt it's a strong position. It's a position of strength. But it's strength that comes from weakness. And I hope that any time that you see me presiding at this table, you see the vulnerability. 
because that's who the resurrected Christ was in Emmaus. There was strength that came from exposed wounds, strength that came from weakness. And this tells me that every single person belongs at this table. And it tells me that every single person who comes to this table knows what it's like to be wounded. And it tells me that when we come to this table, we act out the greater story. And in acting out the greater story, we get the hope. We get the hope of the truth that life comes from death. So if you have an experience that you can't explain, that you don't know the meaning of, this is your place. This is where you bring it.